As we stand, let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, I pray, and breathe upon us. Open our hearts, our minds, and our wills to receive from you that which you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we had the delight of baptizing two babies, Amanda Troutman and Kerrigan Wallover. Do you remember what I did after I baptized each of those little ones? Uh, that is, after I breathed the big sigh of relief uh, that Amanda survived her particular baptism by immersion. Um, but what did I do after I baptized them? Yes, sealed, I heard. Sealed with what? Yes, and what was that all about? The Holy Spirit. Very good. I made the sign of the cross on their foreheads. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and... Very good. Marked as Christ's own forever. Well, this morning, I want to move on from our having been sealed by the Holy Spirit and talk about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in order to do that, I'm going to address five questions that arise in our reading from Ephesians chapter 5. If you want to have that open, you may. It's, uh, I'm going to be referring to the text a little bit, but you'll see where we're going. And these are the questions. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does that look like? Who is it for? How does it happen? And why does it matter? So first, what does it mean? St. Paul, the author of this letter to the church at Ephesus, draws a contrast between being filled with wine on the one hand and being filled with the Spirit on the other. Why, I wonder, would these two things be juxtaposed? Being drunk, a bad thing, and being filled with the Spirit, a good thing. As the children were so helpfully uh, explaining, people who are drunk often lose their inhibitions. They may stagger about a bit, make a lot of noise, and slur their speech. Is Paul, therefore, suggesting that likewise people who are filled with the Spirit might also lose their inhibitions, speak weirdly, maybe in tongues, and generally lose self-control? I mean, you laugh, but on the day of Pentecost, some people did accuse the crowds that were filled with the Spirit that day of being drunk. Well, I don't think that is why Paul makes this analogy. For starters... We know that one aspect of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. The Holy Spirit enables us to gain control, not lose control. But there is some similarity to a point. We might describe someone who is drunk as being under the influence of alcohol. And certainly, a Spirit-filled person is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. But that's probably where the comparison can end. You know, I'm sure we'd have no difficulty spotting the difference between two drivers, one who might be found guilty of a DUI, driving under the influence of alcohol, and another who would be found to be, let's say, DUIS, driving under the influence of the spirit. The former would be out of control, uh, and the latter would be very much in control. 
One would be driving erratically without regard for others. The other would be driving graciously, ever mindful of others. St. Paul tells us that getting drunk is debauchery. That's just a fancy name for wild, immoral, uncontrolled living. Being drunk makes us less of a person, frankly. Indeed, one of the effects of too much alcohol is that it depresses the highest centers of the brain, that part of us that gives us self-control, wisdom, understanding, discrimination, judgment, balance. In other words, drunkenness suppresses everything that makes us behave at our best. What a contrast, then, when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit. For it is the Spirit who makes us truly alive, stimulating all of our higher faculties, our minds and intellects, our hearts and our wills. The Holy Spirit makes us more of a person, more like Christ. So what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It means to come under the influence of the Holy Spirit, to have God himself working in us, producing the good fruit of the Spirit in our lives. All right, second, what does it look like? St. Paul lists here three good things that flow from being filled with the Spirit. First, in verse 19, is fellowship. He writes, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. And other translations have speaking to one another or addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The point being that we are a worshipping community. We gather here week by week, not just to make our own individual private communion with God, though we may do that also, but we gather together. And when we sing, part of what we're doing is singing to one another. You know, most people... um, actually learn their theology from what they sing. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs can be very effective teaching tools. And so we may sing for our mutual benefit as the words of what we sing remind us of the great truths of our faith, a bit like when we say the creed together. Now, having said that, of course, we're not only singing to one another, for as the second half of verse 19 says... Singing and making melody to the Lord. And so the second thing that Paul lists, therefore, as flowing from being filled with the Holy Spirit is worship. Paul writes, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts. I don't want you to miss those three words, in your hearts. You see, I think it's possible for us to confuse good music with genuine worship. Whether that good music is lofty anthems with great organ and choir or superbly executed contemporary music with an awesome band, whether we offer silence or dance, unless something is going on in our hearts, none will have much to do with genuine worship of and to God. The truth is you can have great music and terrible worship. And you can have terrible music and great worship. Of course, the goal is to try and have great music and great worship. But that's why we have to do this thing together. We can't do it to you or for you. 
But let's never confuse the two, genuine worship and something that looks like that. You know, each week at the very start of our service, we, we have to speak to God about our hearts. Almighty God, we prayed, to you all hearts are what? Open. All desires known and from you no secrets are hid. And that prayer continues, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit so that we can love you, so that we can worthily magnify your name and sing and worship and come together. We need our hearts to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order that we can worship God. Spirit-filled Christians will come together for fellowship and for worship. So when we gather here week by week, there is both this horizontal aspect and this vertical aspect to what we are doing as we sing to one another and to God. And for both of these things to happen, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The third thing Paul tells us that flows from being filled with the Spirit is verse 20, thankfulness. Giving thanks to God the Father at all all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. A person who is filled with the Holy Spirit will be thankful. You know, grumbling is often a sign of our lack of trust. I mean, just think of the Old Testament accounts of God's people complaining in the desert. Why is it manna again? Why can't we go back to Egypt? The food was great there, and on and on and on they go. Or the crowds that followed Jesus, who instead of being thankful for being in his presence, for hearing his teaching, for seeing him and touching him and all the rest of it, they were too busy looking for the next trick, the next show, the next miracle. These past three weeks we've been Uh, in our gospel readings each week in John chapter 6, which is all about that. All about Jesus being the bread of life. How only he can satisfy our deepest longings. And it is Jesus by his spirit, the Holy Spirit, who fills, satisfies, enables, ennobles, and brings hope and purpose to our lives. When our lives are filled with everything else, a bit like that bottle filled with coffee, whether it's our work or families, our busyness, our strivings, thankfulness often takes a back seat. And we are wont to complain or moan or criticize or demand. The psalmist says in Psalm 127, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Instead, we need to eat the living bread. We need to be filled by the one who satisfies. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And before I move on, let me just say a word in passing about uh, that verse that talks about being thankful, verse 20. And it says, thankfulness for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Elsewhere, Paul talks about being thankful in every circumstance, not necessarily for every circumstance. 
I think it's safe to say Paul is not suggesting that we should thank God for things that are wrong, are evil. No, I've got more to say about that in a minute, about what we do in, in relation to those things. But the, the context is thankfulness for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so we've looked at what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've looked a little bit at what that looks like. Thirdly, who is this for? Is this being filled with the Holy Spirit just for super-Christians or people who have been Christians for a very long time? Well, I hope by now we know the answer to that. Of course not. The Holy Spirit is for every Christian. And Paul here presents the fullness of the Holy Spirit, not as a mere suggestion or something we might look into one day. No, it's a command. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that command is addressed in the plural form to the whole Christian community. Just as none of us should get drunk with wine, all of us should be filled with the Holy Spirit. But this only begs the fourth question I want to address. How does this happen? You see, the reason I suspect that we are not always filled with the Spirit is not because God is not willing to fill us, nor because we are not worthy enough to be filled. Of course we're not. That's not the point. Rather, it is because we are too busy filling up our lives with so much else. I said a moment ago that it's a command that we be filled with the Spirit, but I need to add that the particular part of speech here is the passive voice. So it could be translated, let the Holy Spirit fill you. This is not a self-service thing. It's actually about being open to what God wants to do in us, wants to do for us. There's no special formula, there's no magic prayer, nor is there one particular gift of the Spirit that always accompanies being filled with the Spirit. Frankly, there are Christians who have, to take three examples, say the gifts of hospitality or of giving or of service, who may or may not be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just as there are Christians who may speak in tongues or have some other seemingly more dramatic gift uh, from the Spirit, who likewise may or may not be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what is needed on our part is a, a turning away from all that grieves the Holy Spirit, a letting go of those things we cling so desperately to in order to try and bring satisfaction or fullness to our lives apart from the Spirit. And another thing that needs to be said about how we can be filled with the Spirit is this. This exhortation is in the present tense, as in, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not a one-time deal. We have been sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism, yes, and that happens once. But we need to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit, day after day after day. Maybe there are some here this morning who are feeling very parched or very hungry spiritually. Maybe you look at yourself and you don't see too much evidence of the Holy Spirit filling your life. 
Maybe you don't have much love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control and gentleness. Well, if that's you, I think God would say to you, draw near this morning. Let me fill you with my Holy Spirit. And to others here who may be thinking, oh, well, I, I know this. Yes, that's, I've heard all this before. Nothing new here. I was filled with the Spirit some years ago. I could even give you the date. Well, then I'm, I think God might say to you, well, good. But you need to be filled up afresh. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled up to overflowing. There is so much more of me I want to share with you. The sad truth is that we have insatiable appetites for things other than the Spirit to fill our lives. So we crave money, sex, power, anything to fill the longings that we all naturally have. But hear this. Only Jesus truly satisfies. And being filled with the Holy Spirit is being filled with the Spirit of Jesus. But if our hearts and our minds and our souls and our lives are filled with all sorts of other things, then where is the room for the Holy Spirit? Well, fifthly and finally, why does it matter? I mean, is the purpose of being filled with the Spirit so that we can live healthy, happy, and prosperous lives? No, I don't think it is. Indeed, I don't think there's any evidence in the New Testament that that is what this is about at all. On the contrary, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit precisely because we encounter in our lives situations, circumstances, or people who are or make us unhealthy, unhappy, and decidedly poor. We need all the help we can get, not in the form of self-help, but supernatural help. At the start of our reading from Ephesians today, Paul urged us to be careful how we live as wise and not unwise people, not to be foolish. And then he went on to talk about being filled with the Spirit, which we've just looked at. But in between, there was this rather curious verse, verse 16, where he spoke of making the most of the time because the days are evil. What do you suppose he meant by that? I believe that what Paul is saying here is that evil days create opportunities for us as Christians. You know, the word used for making the most of is a word that is used in the New Testament for redeeming. It means to buy up. It's a word from the marketplace. If there's a sale on somewhere, you go and check it out and look for bargains because you know they won't last long. And so you go and you make the most of the time and you buy them up. At least that's what retailers hope we'll all do. Well, that's what Paul's saying we're to do in response to evil times. We're to go out and buy up the opportunities created by that. And I doubt that that's the outlook most of us have towards evil times. You know, most of us look at evil things as obstacles, as defeating circumstances, as pressures which frustrate our lives. But St. Paul urges us to make the most 
of these things that confront us, for they provide us with opportunities for spirit-filled lives to shine in the darkness. You know, all of us face the consequences of living in evil days, whether that's from mere inconvenience to profound grief or loss. Maybe you will be sinned against. How then will you live? Rather than closing our minds to those who may wrong us, the challenge is to make the most of the opportunity that the very wrongdoing gives us to demonstrate the love of God. Or perhaps you will be faced with a terrible loss or be the victim of a grave injustice. How will you make the most of that? I don't think Paul's saying just grin and bear it. And I don't obviously have all the answers, save to say that we'll only ever be able to make the most of these kinds of challenges if we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And if we have the kind of grace and love and humility and all that different, all those aspects of the fruit of the Spirit that he equips us with. But let me add this, it's not just in the face of the obvious evil that we need to be careful how we live. We need to be on our guard whatever the circumstances. How easy it can be when things are going well, when maybe material prosperity abounds and we're feeling just okay, thank you, and our lives are filled with all sorts of things that we can just kind of drift off and we can ignore the one who alone truly satisfies. Brothers and sisters, if you are a Christian, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. As you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves unto the Lord, let us pray. Heavenly Father, our hearts are open to you. You see everything. You know all that fills our hearts and minds and souls. You see the anxieties, the hurts, the sin, the shame, the self-righteousness, the busyness, the cacophony of so many voices, the distraction of so many images. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray, and fill us with your very self. Pour your love into our hearts. Cleanse us from our sin and help us to live this week as wise people. Empower us to make the most of the opportunities that we encounter. Thank you, Heavenly Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.